For the next two weeks, we're going to look at apocalyptic literature. Today we're going to look at what Jesus said, verses that we call the little apocalypse. And then next week, we'll look at the large apocalypse, the book of Revelation. So before we dive into the verses today, let me start by telling you that while many people, when they hear the word apocalypse, they think end of the world, in the original Greek, what the word apocalypse means is unveiling. So let's read these verses from Matthew chapter 24, verses 1 through 3, and let's see what Jesus is unveiling about the future. Matthew chapter 24, verses 1 through 3. I'm reading from the Common English Bible. Now Jesus left the temple and was going away. His disciples came to point out to him the temple buildings. He responded, Do you see all these things? I assure you that no stone will be left on another. Everything will be demolished. Now while Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will these things happen? What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So to put these verses in context, this is Holy Week. This is the last week of Jesus' earthly life. And this happens on Tuesday of Holy Week. On Thursday, Jesus will celebrate the Last Supper. And then that night, He will be arrested. And Friday is what we call Good Friday. And He will be crucified and die for our sin. So this story comes near the very end of Jesus' life. So on this Tuesday, what's been going on is Jesus has been teaching in the temple. And as he and his disciples start to leave, the disciples talk about and comment on the beauty and the majesty of the temple, the temple in Jerusalem. And at this time, construction was still underway. And some people claim that it was one of the greatest building projects of the Roman Empire. And engineers today still aren't sure how it was made and how those massive stones were put in place. You've heard about the Holy of Holies, right? It was considered the most sacred place in the temple. Did you know that it was six stories high? And it was made of marble. And the top was gilded with gold. And the Ark of the Covenant was there. And on the top of the Ark of the Covenant... It's called the mercy seat. It was considered the throne of God. It was considered the place where heaven and earth met. And everything else, the temple courts were made of limestone, this brilliant white that you could see from miles away. But in AD 70, the temple was destroyed. The foundation 
the restraining wall still exists. It's called the Western Wall, or you may have heard it called the Welling Wall. And people still gather there. They write out their prayer requests, they roll them up, and they put them in the cracks because Jews still believe that God's glory is thought to be there because this is a place where heaven and earth meet. The disciples said, Jesus, look how awesome these stones are. And what Jesus says next is strange. He says, do you see all these things? I assure you that no stone will be left on another. Everything will be demolished. And these disciples are confused. Because how is this even possible? How could the temple not exist? How could they have their faith? How could they live their lives without the temple? How is it even possible? And the question they ask next is, how soon? Now, if you want to get super technical, they actually ask three questions. Tell us, when will these things happen? What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So to rephrase that in an even more simple way that we really understand, they ask, when will the temple be destroyed? What will be the sign of your coming? And what will be the sign of the end of the age? So let's look at those. What will be the sign of your coming? Jesus hasn't left yet. And as you read the Gospels, pay attention to this. Did the disciples really understand that Jesus was going to die? No, they didn't. So the disciples didn't get that Jesus was going to die for them. They certainly didn't get that Jesus was going to be resurrected. And then that he was going to come again. So what they're asking here is they're asking, what will be the sign of your coming? They're not asking about the second coming. They didn't know about that. What they're really asking is, Jesus, when will you show yourself as the Messiah? When will the world recognize who you are? When will you show yourself to be the king and restore Israel to a place of prominence? And this next part, the end of the age, this isn't the end of the world. You have to understand that you have Jewish writers here. And the Jewish belief was that there was this present age and there was the age to come. And what came between those two ages was the day of the Lord. And this day of the Lord and the second coming of Jesus is intertwined together throughout the New Testament. But this day of the Lord would be the reign of the Messiah. That would be where there would be peace and justice. And God would live among His people in a new and radical way. And with these three questions, 
disciples think all of these things are going to be connected. And they want to know how soon. Next week? Next month? How soon? And I believe that everything that Jesus says next is in response to those three questions. And I think, as well as several other people, that Jesus is pointing to events that will take place during the disciples' lives. And these are the events leading up to and including the destruction of the temple in A.D. 70. And that the end of the age means the end of the temple age. Let's read a few more verses. This is verses 4 through 7. Jesus replied, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ. They will deceive many people. You will hear about wars and reports of wars. Don't be alarmed. These things must happen. But this isn't the end yet. Nations and kingdoms will fight against each other. And there will be famines and earthquakes in all sorts of places. Now, let me ask you a serious question. Do you think there has ever been a generation who did not think that these verses were happening in their day? And I think that's part of the beauty and the genius of these words. But let's go back to our history lesson. Between the years of 60 to 70 A.D., there were three different people who were would-be messiahs. In Jerusalem, there were zealots, zealots, or freedom fighters. And there were wars or rumors of wars, despite the Pax Romana. Remember what that is? The peace that Rome promised. And there was the Jewish revolt. There were famines, including two in the Holy Land. Maybe you remember that much of Paul's third missionary journey was about collecting food and money for those suffering from a famine in Jerusalem. Earthquakes are also mentioned. Around Pompeii, Mount Vesuvius would erupt and destroy the entire city. Let's read verses 8 through 14. But all these things are just the beginning of the sufferings associated with the end. They will arrest you, abuse you, and they will kill you. All nations will hate you on account of my name. At that time, many will fall away. They will betray each other and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because disobedience will expand, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be delivered. The gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world as a testimony to all the nations. Then the end will come. Around the year 63 AD, Nero was the emperor. And he wasn't very popular. So he thought that if there were some tragedy that would 
cause the people to rally together, rally around him, and his approval rating go up. So he hires some people, some thugs, to light the city of Rome on fire. And then he blames on the Christians because they don't worship the Roman gods. And then Christian leaders were gathered up around 65 or 66 A.D. Peter was crucified upside down. Paul was beheaded. And for dinner entertainment, Nero would have Christians tied to poles and he would set them on fire for dinner entertainment. And this gospel, the gospel of Matthew, was written shortly after this. Verse 14 says the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world. 2,000 years ago, the original readers of this would have considered the known world the Roman Empire. But let's talk more about the destruction of the Jewish temple. In AD 66, there were three different factions, three different groups, who revolted against the Romans. And remember, Rome occupied the Holy Land at this time. Rome was in control of Israel. These freedom fighters attacked the Roman fort in Jerusalem. And guess what? They won. Despite the odds, they defeated the Romans. And then when Nero, the Roman emperor, heard about this, he sent Vespasian a general who would become the next emperor. He sent Vespasian, a general with the 12th legion who was stationed in Syria, and they marched through the northern part of the Holy Land. And they slaughtered 100,000 Jews on the way to Jerusalem. Jews who lived around Jerusalem fled. The people inside the city thought they were safe. They thought... No one could break down or break through their walls. The Romans surrounded the city. And for four years, four years, the Romans decided to wait them out. To just wait them out. Now there's a lot of food stored inside Jerusalem to sustain them. But eventually, one of those freedom fighters said, it's time to do or die. And he burned up the food supplies. People would have to act and they would have to take action. Those who tried to escape through the aqueducts and water tunnels and irrigation systems and sewers, those who tried to escape through all the water systems, they were captured and they were crucified. This was about five to 10,000 people. This terrifying. They ran out of food. The historical records show that they began to eat shoe leather, their belts. There's an account that some began to eat their own children. This is hopelessness. This is despair. This is the end. And then in August of AD 70, the Romans finally broke down the walls. They marched to the city and they slaughtered the Jews. They went to the temple. 
They stole the holy things out of the temple and they burned it to the ground. They took the stones and cast them, threw them down so that not one stone remained on the other. And when Titus went back to Rome, he took 97,000 Jewish slaves with him. He took all the holy things from the temple and they slaughtered the Jews. During a period of about four years, 1.1 million Jews were slaughtered by the Romans. Matthew's gospel is written just after this happened. The original readers of this gospel knew what he was describing. That he was describing what happened there in the Holy Land. That what Jesus prophesied, it happened. So maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, Aaron, um, if these verses aren't about the second coming of Jesus. Because every time I've heard these verses preached before in my life, that's what the preachers have preached about. And if this isn't about that, if this is about some historical content, well, what about the second coming? What do you believe about that? I believe that Jesus will come back. I literally believe Jesus will come back one day. And it can happen at any time. There's no thing left to happen before Jesus comes back. All the prophecies are fulfilled. And I think one day, God will say, it's time. And history as we know it will stop. In his letters, Paul calls this the blessed hope. And the second coming is not meant to scare you. It's meant to encourage you and to persuade you to be ready. So look at what Jesus says at the end of this chapter. In verse 36, he says, But nobody knows when that day or hour will come, not the heavenly angels and not the Son. Only the Father knows. Now follow that up with verse 42. Therefore, stay alert. You don't know what day the Lord is coming. So for our real sermon today, I'm asking you a question. Are you ready? Do you trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Are you following Him? Do you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Do you love your neighbor? And do you have works or fruit to show that you belong to Jesus? And are you using all the gifts and talents that God has given you for His glory? Because when Jesus does come back, we will be held accountable for all that we did in this life. So that means that here and now, in this life, we have to realize that not only are we the hands and feet and voice of Jesus, we're to have a heart like His. A heart of compassion. A heart that goes out to people who are hurting and suffering. 
Are you ready? Are you trusting in Jesus? And are you using your gifts? Are you caring for those in need? Because one day, Jesus will come back. He'll come back for all of us at the same time. But He'll come back for you individually at the end of your life. When He calls your name, if it was right now, are you ready?